Welcome to John H. Curry's Secure Retirement Podcast. My name is Steve Gordon. I am your host today, and uh, we are continuing our series of episodes uh, specifically geared towards members of the Florida Retirement System. Now, if you're not a member of the Florida Retirement System and you're tuning in today, then you do want to stick around because we're going to actually talk about a subject that applies to everyone. We're talking about Medicare today. I am here with John Curry. John, welcome. Hello, Steve. You know, this one, uh, again, following up after our last conversation on Social Security, this is another big area of concern for folks. Um, and I know that, you know, healthcare is is really one of the, the biggest worries and costs for people going into retirement. It is. In fact, uh, it ties up there. Sometimes uh, it'd be one or two, but always what comes up is I'm worried about how do I cover my healthcare costs in retirement and beyond. And I'm also concerned about running out of income. I want to make sure I don't run out of income. Well, the two seem to be tied together because if my healthcare costs go up too much, I'd run out of income, wouldn't I? Well, you're going to have less spendable income because we're seeing healthcare costs go up more and more. And that is a big concern for our nation and so many people who do not have health insurance. So what's the answer? Is it a universal health plan? Is it a Obamacare, as it's called? Uh, who knows? I, I don't have the answers. All I know is this. Something has to be done. But I go back. I'll say this a thousand times. You have to take control of your own personal economy and do your planning first because you do not know what's going to happen in Congress or the legislature. No, and you can't. You really can't control any of that. So, as we were preparing to record the episode, I said, you know, we really ought to start off by explaining the <clears throat> the two parts of Medicare. Yes. And then you said, well, no, no, there are four parts. <laughs> I didn't know there were four parts. So, uh, educate us on the four parts because I may not be the only one that didn't know that. Okay. Well, let me do this. Let me give a quick overview. And then uh, we'll come back and put some meat on the bones. How's that? Sounds good. Okay. So there are four parts. Most people only think about part A and part B. Part A happens pretty much automatically at age 65 if you're in the Social Security system. And part A covers the what's called the hospital insurance. So it helps pay for inpatient care in a hospital or limited time at a skilled nursing facility uh, following a hospital stay. So Part A also pays for some home health care and hospice care. So there's a lot of confusion about it. There are some deductibles that you have to satisfy. I'm going to stay away from those today because they change each year, and I don't want to have to go back and change this every time. Medicare Part B is called medical insurance. It helps pay for services from doctors and other health care providers, outpatient care, home health care, and uh, certain medical equipment. And uh, Part B costs you money. So when you sign up for Part B, you have to pay a monthly premium, which comes out of your Social Security check. And I have a lot of people come in and go, I don't understand this. I paid into Medicare all these years. Yes, you did. You paid 1.45% of your income into Medicare. Unlimited. If you're on a million bucks, you're paying 1.45% on every dollar. Social Security has a cap. We talked about it last episode. It's 137000 this year at 6.2%. But Medicare Part A, for the most people, you pay nothing for it. But if you don't have 40 full quarters, 10 years of service, 
under the Social Security system, you may have to pay into Medicare Part A. So most of the people listening to this will not have that problem, but they may know people who do. And then you have what's called uh, Part C, uh, Medicare Advantage plans. So Medicare Advantage plans is where you say, okay, I'm not going to be in the original Medicare. It is a special program that was established by Congress to say, okay, we're trying to control these health care costs. So in our area, in Tallahassee area, surrounding counties, you have a CHP Advantage plan. So capital... Uh, Capital Health Plan. Thank you. Capital Health Plan. Just had a middle block. Capital Health Plan has a program where state employees can be a member of that. And Capital Health Plan, for those who are outside the area, is a local insurance health insurance company. HMO. Yeah. Yes. Health maintenance organization. Yeah. And we could get into the pros and cons of that. I will say this. People who say, well, I don't like the plan. They have a good plan. I don't work for them, so I'm not going to be endorsing it. But I will tell you, I've been to two of their workshops because I have so many clients who are affected by it. Uh, is is good, but there are also issues, especially if you intend to travel a lot. And I'll come back and touch on those because when I made my decision as to which way to go, original or um, uh, C, I chose original. So we'll come back to that, and we'll talk about the pros and cons. And, and I should say this now. I am not licensed to sell Medicare supplement policies. I don't get into that. And I also don't work for the government. So what I'm going to share is my information that I've gleaned from dealing with this with clients and also their websites and the research I do. And then Medicare Part D, that's a biggie because I just got impacted myself. I have a medication, that's a drug plan, D for drugs. I had a medication I've been paying $25 a month for. Went to fill the prescription on Thursday. Price jumped to $108 a month for the balance of this year because I'm in what's called the donut hole. So you reach a point of where certain medications, uh, I'll even tell you this one happens to be Eliquis, so there's no generic for it yet, so it's expensive. I don't know what it would be without care. I mean, a plan, probably five or 600 bucks a month. But this stuff is a complicated topic. Uh, it changes. Some people will change plans or every year or two. So we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But let me pause there. I see you. I see your eyes glazing over. <laughs> I'm already confused. <laughs> John, you know this. I've, I've got a technical background. I think I'd rather go play with a slide rule than try to figure this out. Um, so so we've got these four parts. You've given us kind of the overview. Um, and let, let's kind of break them down with a little more detail, kind of one by one, because I think that'll help people. Okay. Well, the first thing to look at is this. What is Medicare? Just think of Medicare as being our country's federal health insurance program for people that are 65 or older. There are some exceptions. Younger people can benefit too, but let's just keep it simple and say it's designed for people who are 65 and older for health care. When I retired on paper, I was under a pension plan, but also a health insurance program. So I chose not to go into Medicare Part B at age 65. I waited until 66. So when I started collecting Social Security, I actually had another year before I started uh, Part B. Come to think of it, so two years. And I did that because I had health insurance coverage, so it made no sense to switch. So if you are part of a qualified 
group plan, you can stay under that or go to part B, depending upon which one is best for you. So it's not automatic that you've got to go to part B, but it is important that when you register for part A, you let them know I am covered under a group insurance program. So I will be deferring into the future before I take part B. If you don't, you may find that you're paying for part B and you didn't mean to. And to their credit, they actually will call you. They called me and I'm told by other people they call. So you go online, you enroll, they follow up to make sure that they have everything they need from you. And then, then they start taking Medicare Part B out of your check, out of your direct deposit. Now, there's two parts to Medicare. Think of it this way. Original, and then we talked about the Medicare Advantage. With the original plan, I'll just I'm gonna talk about myself, pick on me. What I did, I chose after looking at all the options that applied in our area, and there's a bunch of them, I decided that I would stick with Medicare original, meaning part A, part B, and I would purchase a Medicare supplement policy that would fill the gaps. It's called Medigap insurance by some people. It's a supplemental plan. So I have part A, part B that I pay premiums for, and then I have premiums I pay for at a separate policy that would fill the gaps. Why? Because I wanted the ability that no matter where I'm traveling around the country, that if I have to go get services at a hospital or a doctor, I walk in, I put down my Medicare card, I put down the card for the company representing the Medicare gap policy, and that's it. I'm done. I, don't, I rarely pay anything out of pocket. There'll be some things I have to pay, uh, but very little. Now, where I get in trouble, though, is the beginning of the year is there's a deductible you have to pay out of your pocket before you get full benefits. And then I also bought a Part D supplement. So Part D is a plan, and I've changed it twice. Well, once. I had two different plans. Start off one year. Because of the medications you're on, you'd want somebody who handles that for you to shop it and tell you which Part D plan is best. So that you have to do during the open enrollment period each year. And if you miss it, you'll have to wait until the following year. And what is, what, when does that typically happen during the year? Uh, the, the short answer is typically um, October through December. I can't give you the exact dates. I could probably look it up. But well, I'm sure it varies year to year. But generally what we're talking about is the towards the last quarter of every year. That is correct. Okay. And that's why you see so many ads on television about Medicare. Because there's a limited window there to enroll. So, so you've talked a little bit about the four parts, um, and there's this name that's floated around. I guess it's an acronym, Irma. Yes. <laughs> what in the world is Irma? Well, Irma is uh, is, is spelled I R M A A, folks. And basically, here's how it works. When you sign up for Medicare Part B, like, for example, this year in 2020, it's $144.60 per month for Part B. However, if you earn over a certain income level, and Medicare publishes it each year, it's a different number, then you could pay as much as $400 a month, $428. So your income in retirement will impact how much you pay for Medicare Part B. 
Now, that Part B number, remember, is in addition to any type of supplemental policy you buy. So we'll have people come in very upset with the government saying, can you explain this to me? All of a sudden, my Social Security check went from X down to here. Because what happens is they look back two years. So whatever your income was two years ago impacts you today on your Medicare Part B premium. And when, when I do seminars on these topics, because the two biggest seminars we have are Social Security and Medicare. Sometimes we'll combine the two because people have so many questions about it. We say, look, we just do an extended sort of hour and a half. We'll do a two-hour session and uh, simplify it and cover both. But it's interesting that people will say, I had no idea that the premiums could be higher. And I, well, most of us don't until it hits us. So I started educating people. And the reason that I started educating people, Steve, is because one of my long-term clients, 35-year-plus client, she came in one day and she said, you know, I don't understand what's happened here. But my, my Social Security check dropped and I got this letter. And it was about IRMA. You know, your, your premiums have increased because of the IRMA income-related monthly adjusted amount is what it stands for. And she said, wait a minute. So basically, they're taking my money from me. So yes, because their feeling is because you earn more money and any money you take out of retirement accounts like she did, she took a chunk of money out of her IRA for a trip. Well, that pushed her over and it was two years previous. So it hit her this year, that year, not this year. So it's pretty complicated. But when it hits you and you all of a sudden you see your check drop or your deposit drop, you're like, what happened? So what I... What I'm hearing you say is that when people are making decisions about when they take income from maybe their retirement accounts or through employment or anything else, sounds like they need to pay attention to where they stand related to these thresholds. Absolutely. And sometimes there's nothing we can do to help them. Other times we can. It depends on what assets they have. Uh, as we'll get into another episode, we'll talk about required minimum distributions. That's where people usually feel it because all of a sudden they've been retired for a few years and now they're forced to take money out of retirement accounts. So that's income they didn't have before. And it pushes them up into another bracket for the IRMA test. And then they get, boom, we get smacked. They're like, wow, where'd that come from? So you're forced to take money out. Yes. <laughs> Puts you in another bracket that forces you to pay more. That's correct. That's correct. I have said for years, 35, 40 years, I've said, I don't understand. I know why, but Congress should do away with the required minimum distribution. If you are frugal and you saved your money, you should not be forced to take it out. Because if you have retirement resources, you're having, you're putting less pressure on the system the system meaning Social Security to help other people. But the reason they do it is they want the money. All these years, you deferred, you deferred, you deferred, thinking you were saving taxes, and all of a sudden, you're taking it out, and you go, I didn't save any taxes. I simply deferred it into the future. And then you get a cost of living adjustment with Social Security, maybe. And then all of a sudden, you see that disappear because the Medicare Part B premium was raised, and then if you get impacted by Irma, you have a further increase. This is all really depressing. 
Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't write the tax law. My job, though, is to help people to the extent that they'll let me uh, project them into the future and say, look, I, I'm, I'm experiencing this. Let me help you. See, I learned a long time ago. If I see your head, forehead is bloody and skin missing, and I look over that wall and I go, hmm, I see some blood and skin there. I don't need to go pound my head into the wall if I see you do. <laughs> so I learned a long time ago, I'll be glad to pay you for your time and your services to save me time and money and frustration and in some cases anger because I get frustrated. So my deal is this. This is what I do every day. Did I see clients? I read it. I study it. I'm somewhat of a geek about it. I'm going to learn it and stay on top of it. But there's a lot of stuff I don't know anymore. But when it comes to retirement planning, understanding how to get money out of retirement plans, how to coordinate with Social Security, Medicare, required minimum distributions, that's pretty much where I live. Well, you you, the word, you use the word coordinate there. And yes. we talked in an earlier episode, I think I made the comment that the, all of this is like a giant jigsaw puzzle where they don't give you the picture on the box and maybe they mix two pictures together with the pieces. <laughs> and somebody's got to somehow sort it all out and make it work. Um, and, I, I mean, with all of the the rules and regulations and the different considerations here, um, this just seems so overwhelming to try and deal with. Um, I, I, I can't imagine having to, you know, you look, you're looking at this several times a day with different clients every day. Um, that just seems seems like it'd be a real challenge to do. And certainly for individuals who don't go through this, don't even know where to find all the information maybe sometimes, it's got to be completely overwhelming. It is overwhelming. And, and one of the things I, th- I think where, I don't think, I know for a fact that what happened for me one day, and, and I won't call the client's name, but long-term friend, 45 years, he came in frustrated. He said, John, I don't understand this stuff. He's an attorney, very, very intelligent guy. He said, I'm tired of this. I'm sick of it. And I'm not getting I'm not getting help at work. I'm not getting help from the Social Security office when I call and ask questions. I'm, I'm more confused. Can you help me? And that was the beginning of me getting serious about it many, many years ago. I don't know how long, 15, 17 years ago, because I wasn't to the point of being concerned about Social Security or Medicare at that point. But I got on that track to start learning. And then, you know, among other financial advisors, they'll call me and say, look, you're the expert in this stuff. And I say, eh, be careful. I don't claim to be an expert. I claim to be very knowledgeable, but I don't know that I'm the expert, but I know I know it pretty well. I would say very well, actually. But it's how do you coordinate it? And and, and one of the things that I mean, I'm tempted, and I was tempted, I'm not now, because of, we talked about keeping this simple for this episode, but there's so much stuff. I'm, when I get the manual each year, the Medicare manual, it's about an inch thick. And I actually read it. I go through it every year, highlight it, you know, my style. I'll highlight stuff, put sticky notes on it. So if people come in the office, I'll ask a question. So I don't, I'm not sure of that. Let me look. Go to it, bring it up on the website, make sure nothing's changed. So, so there's your answer. So how did you find it so quickly? Well, because I read it and study it. It's critical. And I get, I keep all of my letters. They're in a binder in the office. So somebody says, well, that doesn't work that way. Well, there's a letter of Medicare. Read it. It shows you what my Irma is. So Irma does exist. It shows my premium going up. Okay. I'm right there. So in black and white. Read it. 
you will have increased Part B premiums. There's no way that that can't not happen hmm. because of the cost. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, is there anything else that, that comes up in your conversations around Medicare, John, as we kind of push towards the end of this episode? Anything we haven't covered that's critical here? Well, we've covered it, but I'm going to put it in a contrast for you. In 2019, the Part B premium was $135.50. And this year, it's $144.60. Okay? So that's what, a $9 increase? So people say, well, it's not that big of a deal. It's not in one year. But if you're retired and all you have is your pension and Social Security because you didn't save or plan and have other resources, or you did but you used to take care of children or grandchildren that had to come back home, then that $9 increase every two or three years or every year, that erodes your net income. And if you see tax increases come along with it, that hurts. And that's why most people do not feel the effects of cost of health care or inflation in general until, the, until they've been retired five to seven years, is what I say. Then all of a sudden they'll say, John, what's happening? You know, we haven't increased our spending. We're not extravagant. I said, well, you've been retired about five to seven years. That's enough time for you to see some cost of living increases at the grocery store. You know, health care. Your health care is the biggest expense in retirement for most people. Some people still have a mortgage payment. Most don't that I work with. But you look at your health care. I mean, I, I know what I'm paying for me. And then I go look at, I have to pay $108 for that one uh, prescription for the rest of the year. And then next year, I'll have a $400 deductible. So I'll have to pay for four months, basically, for it again before the coverage takes over. So I would just simply say, to conclude that it's hard to fully understand all the pieces. It's not that difficult if you're willing to take the time to read it and study it. And just about the time you think you know it, something will change and you've got to go back and read it again. So I'm constantly looking at it. And when I do the webinars and the seminars, it's good because it forces me to go back and double check all the numbers. Like this little sheet that I showed you that I took off mm -hmm. of the Social Security website. Yeah, in the past, we would just refer to a book. No longer. you got to go to the website and get it straight from the the uh, uh, Social Security Administration. But I would end with this. I would simply say that Social Security, Medicare, health care in general, and your pension are very important benefits to you. Uh, but it's up to you to, to make sure it's coordinated properly. The government is not going to do it for you. Uh, it's up to you. It's up to you. Good advice. Well, uh, folks, this is um, another in the continuing series that we're doing on uh, on the, the, the key things that members of the Florida retirement system need to pay attention to uh, as they approach retirement and retirement um, as they're planning for that. Uh, we've got one more to go in the series. In the next episode, we're going to talk about required minimum distributions, RMDs. Um, John, I know that's a big topic, a lot of questions around that. You want to give us just a 10-second preview? Yes. RMDs were never designed to create income for you. It was a way for Congress and the IRS to recover all the taxes that you didn't pay. And they're finding more and more ways to collect the taxes and faster. 
Stay tuned. So folks, uh, tune in for that one. That is a, a big, big issue for folks. And uh, if you have enjoyed this episode, maybe you found uh, you found this kind of midway through the series. If you go to johnhcurry.com, click on the podcast link at the top, you'll find all of the podcast episodes, including all of the ones in this series for members of the Florida Retirement System. And if you're not a member of the Florida Retirement System, there is a wealth of resources there on the website for you as well. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star rating. Uh, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and uh, share it with a friend. Share it with a friend that, that needs to hear this information, um, you know, and, and uh, please help them. So, John, thanks for being here with me again. I'll see you in the next one. Very good. Enjoyed it. If you'd like to know more about John Curry services, you can request a complimentary information package by visiting johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Again, that is johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Or you can call his office at 850-562-3000. Again, that is 850-562-3000. John H. Curry, Chartered Life Underwriter, Chartered Financial Consultant, Accredited Estate Planner, Master's in Science and Financial Services, Certified in Long-Term Care, Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. Securities products and services and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial Corporation is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities. Park Avenue Securities is a member of FINRA and SIPC. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this material, we are not undertaking to provide investment advice for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact one of our financial professionals for guidance and information specific to your individual situation. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Guardian and subsidiaries, agents, or employees do not provide legal, tax, or accounting advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances. Not affiliated with the Florida Retirement System, the Living Balance Sheet, and the Living Balance Sheet logo are registered service marks of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York, copyright 2005-2020. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities or Guardian and Opinion Stated are their own. Guardian and its subsidiaries do not issue or advise with regard to Medicare. 2020-113399 expires January 2023.